0: You're listening to Door to the District from Glasgow City Innovation District. From space and quantum applications to cutting edge financial and health technology, this series is all about the collaboration, entrepreneurship, and world class research housed here in the city and making an impact around the world. Each episode we take a peek behind some of the many varied district doors, finding out how people work,
1: innovate and grow. This is challenging work but it's also hugely innovative and ambitious and because of that I think hopefully it starts to build a a really ambitious vision for the city.
0: In this episode we examine the efforts to build a sustainable and prosperous innovation district.
2: As of 2020, we've actually managed to reduce our emissions by 50%. So 20% ahead of the target that we had set. And that's something that we're incredibly proud of.
0: And find out how professionals here are using innovation to meet pressing goals.
3: Distributing is a social investment and it benefits from strong, wide support from stakeholders. So the more buy-in you have and the more collaboration and the more engagement there is, the better the outcomes.
0: Hello and thanks for joining us for this episode of Door to the District. I'm your host, Katrina Shearer. Normally, you'd find me inside the offices at the district where I get to meet our guests and learn about their work and goals. But to start this podcast, we're visiting the River Clyde, just a short stroll south. And that's because we're focusing not on an industry sector or innovation cluster, but an initiative, one that's timely and hugely important. Glasgow City Innovation District's anchor institution, the University of Strathclyde, is following a climate change and social responsibility plan. And as part of that, there's a proposal to create an environment that's good for the planet and its inhabitants. A plan that covers a number of objectives that align with some of the most urgent targets found in the United Nations blueprint for sustainable development. And that plan is what brings me to the river to learn more about the Climate Neutral Innovation District.
1: It's built around a bold and ambitious vision for the city, and that's to create 100% renewable, well, we call it climate neutral. What, what we mean is, is energy carbon neutral in operation and resilient to the changing climate. And that happens to be in a, in a place within the centre of Glasgow in the Innovation District. So it basically integrates heat, power, transport, climate adaptation and well-being solutions that are really focused around people and businesses and organisations working and living and visiting the area. So it's really all about using our natural resources and the existing built environment where we add climate solutions into, and this is important, into existing and planned urban developments that are already kind of on the books, so to speak, within the district and within the city, uh, and incorporating the deployment of scalar infrastructure change. So what that means in real terms is heat pumps in the in the river Clyde to tap into the heat resource that's in the Clyde and distribute heat. Instead of gas-based uh, energy systems, we would use heat pumps and have much more clean power in that sense, clean heat in the, in the city centre, to build a, a, a large-scale district heating network into that zone. None of this is new, it has been done elsewhere, but the innovation is that we bring all of these systems together, heat, power, transport, adaptation, and and think about this in a whole systems manner in in bringing all the, the elements together. That's Roddy Yar, the Executive Lead for Sustainability at the University of Strathclyde.
0: And the Climate Neutral Innovation District, as he said, covers heat, power and transport, as well as climate adaptation and wellbeing solutions. He also mentioned the River Clyde and heat pumps, something we'll return to later in the show. But for now, we'll meet our second guest, who's also working towards ambitious climate goals. As Head of Sustainability at Glasgow City Council, Gavin Slater is a key partner in the initiative.
2: Well, ultimately, Our goal is to get the city of Glasgow to net zero carbon emissions by 2030, and primarily to achieve that through absolute reductions in CO2 emissions. Although, you know, it would be folly to think that we can actually get to the point where we ever have zero emissions. So there will be some residual emissions that we can't remove, um, and we'll deal with those through other means, such as sequestration. But... Our objective is to do that through placemaking. So really to try and drive improvements of, in the city, which as an ancillary benefit are absorbing carbon at the same time. It's a, it's a very difficult target. It's ahead of the national target of 2045. But that's what we've been set and, and that's what we're aiming towards.
0: That target is not one that can be ignored. And with Glasgow being a linchpin in the Industrial Revolution, the global shift that spurred the increase in carbon emissions, Gavin and plenty of other leaders are determined to see that the city now innovates in a new revolution, one that makes a positive impact when it comes to climate change.
2: Glasgow's always been a city of innovation. It's always been a city where you know, people respond to change and improve, and it remains that way. The city's survived many crises, and it's, it's it's grown and become a better city as a result. And I believe that this trend will continue. Um, we've been enormously successful in bringing funding to the city for innovation, um, and we continue to do so, funding the growth of many technologies, not least uh, the, the space race now and, and all sorts of amazing things, um, developing new and innovative business models and so on, all of which contribute to our transition to being a smart and climate-neutral city. We were most recently successful in becoming one of only two cities in the UK to be included in the European Commission's 100 Climate-Neutral and Smart Cities Horizon Europe call, which, you know, in the face of Brexit, is impressive. And that follows on from previous successes in in bringing European funding into the city and we hope will continue to allow us to benefit from funding from Europe, to work with European partners to develop that, that continued growth and innovation.
0: Although he was working in Glasgow, James Watt collaborated with inventors and engineers from across the country. He also partnered with a businessman from Birmingham in order to craft a steam engine. And current partnerships within the city and beyond are key to the efforts of the districts and the council as well. In fact, our final guest, whose organisation is also using innovation within the commercial heating industry, is also a part of the coalition. Vattenfall is the largest supplier of district heating in Europe with around 2 million customers. And the head of the North Region for Vattenfall UK, Paul Steen, is someone who can introduce us to those innovations in sustainable heating.
3: Vattenfall's around 100 years old. It's the Swedish state-owned energy company with investments across the generation distribution and supply of energy to consumers. Vattenfall are committed to a transition to being fossil free in a generation. And the business owns assets that generate over 110 terawatt hours uh, per year of energy today, uh, including around 10 percent of that from wind generation. I'm here to talk about our heat business uh, and Vattenfall supplies 16 terawatt hours of heat uh, and is the largest supplier of district heating in Europe with around 2 million customers. In the UK, we've been investing in wind projects for more than 10 years uh, and we established Vattenfall Heat UK in 2018 and we're developing and delivering our first projects in London, Bristol, Edinburgh and Glasgow. And my role is uh, responsible for developing of projects in Scotland and the north of England. Uh, I work with my 15 or so colleagues based in Scotland on those projects and we currently have a focus on district heating solutions in Edinburgh and Glasgow.
0: Alongside the 110 terawatt-hours of energy that Vattenfall creates, they also supply 16 terawatt-hours of heat. And if you think that sounds like a large number, you'd be right. The United Kingdom uses around 300 terawatts of energy a year, and making the switch to renewable or climate-neutral sources is imperative. One of the solutions that the district is implementing is district heating. A type of heating named not after the Innovation District, of course, but after a centralised system. One that can supply multiple sites rather than having dedicated boilers in every building. And this is the innovation that Vattenfall sees as right to meet many climate goals and also right for the Innovation District.
3: We see district heating as the right low carbon heat solution for that district, but we also share their vision with the Innovation District and with Sustainable Glasgow, uh, which is led by Glasgow City Council, that we as a district heating operator are one of a number of parts of an integrated whole systems approach. We're in the relatively early stages of developing a project in the east of Glasgow. We're at that stage of, of, of creating conceptual designs and proposals, and we'll take those forward into a delivery plan for a citywide heat network. Stage one is developing a, uh, a local project in East Glasgow and, and then expansion of that project with, with a number of other clusters and interconnecting those clusters into a large scale heat network. And our relationship with the Innovation District and University of Strathclyde is crucial to integrate those heat solutions with other utility, power, digital and community solutions.
0: District Heating is just one part of the ambitious plan for the Climate Neutral Innovation District, a system to supply heat effectively and sustainably. And one source for that heating, as we mentioned earlier, is the River Clyde. With the district located mostly north of the river and covering an area of 170 hectares, equivalent to around 230 football pitches, it's in an ideal location to take advantage of this prime resource.
1: So in the north, it's very much from the hospital, the Royal Infirmary, the Royal, a huge heat sink uh, and user of energy, down to the River Clyde along High Street, which is the original birthplace of Glasgow. That's where Glasgow was first kind of formed um, way back centuries ago. So it has direct access to the River Clyde uh, in terms of that heat source. The Clyde is a huge catchment of something like 3,200 square kilometres. It's 170 kilometres in length and with that there's huge heat potential in the Clyde. It's also tidal where we're um, thinking about deploying heat pumps so that opens up a significant heat resource that's right on the city's doorstep, flows through the city. Um, so by tapping into that heat resource and using heat pumps to amplify the heat, we can develop a city-wide district heating network along the streets of of Glasgow that, that serve um, businesses and organisations and communities within that that city centre zone. And then you start to think about power, you start to think about active travel solutions, nature-based solutions. When we do the infrastructure works, we try and do all those at the same time. So that's the general idea of of it. Um, And it doesn't really matter where it is. The point is we start to look at the natural and built environment resources that we have in every city in the UK and and internationally for that matter and start to shift away, develop the solutions that start to enable us to shift away from from fossil Fuels like gas, you know, heat in Scotland is very much generated from gas. So that's that's the, the real challenge is to get ourselves weaned off the use of fossil gas, and and also use waste heat from industry. That's a really important point that mustn't be forgotten. There is there is potential heat uh, source in in the district. The energy the waste energy plant at Palmyd on the south side of the Clyde, the local distillery, the Strathclyde Distillery has heat, waste heat that we can use. Uh, And there's a sewerage system in Glasgow that has huge heat potential. There are sources of energy there that aren't gas, and that's good. So we just need to pivot more towards those uh, and use the assets that we've got to try and enable us to to transition away from from these uh, more polluting systems that we currently use. Having multiple
0: sources of energy and heat is desirable and also efficient. Compared to more traditional energy methods, it helps enable the large-scale transition, especially when it can use waste heat, helping to reduce emissions and save money.
3: And and district heating systems are a network of insulated pipes that connect individual domestic and non-domestic heat consumers with large centralised generators of heat. Uh, for heating buildings and also providing hot water. They work in a very similar way to a domestic central heating system, but in simplistic terms, at just a a much larger scale and typically with multiple sources of heat, which provides uh, additional resilience into the system. So they're not just reliant on one energy source, they can bring in multiple sources of, of, of heat energy. The networks are agnostic of where heat comes from, and so they can take heat from heat pumps, generating heat from the ground, uh, river water and sewers. They can take heat directly from, waste heat rejected from data centers, and they can also take heat from industry and and significantly energy from waste plants, which is relevant in, in, in the two projects we're looking at in Edinburgh and Glasgow. They normally also incorporate large tanks for thermal storage that balance the peaks of demand in the morning and evening um, on the network and and allow the generation to run at a more steady uh, flat line. Those thermal stores can also store heat generated during periods of excess electricity generation. So in the context of the Climate Innovation District, this is relevant for that integrated whole systems thinking. They can store uh, heat from excess electricity generation, for example, when power demand is low overnight but there's still high generation and it can charge the thermal stores to use that heat in the morning peaks when consumers are showering and that also coincides with high electricity demand.
0: District heating is of considerable benefit, helping to meet the demand of users, being cost effective and reducing the burden on the climate. But it's also part of an initiative that looks to provide other benefits at Glasgow City Innovation District addressing the wide range of environmental, social and governance guidelines, or ESGs, that businesses have to negotiate. It also has a part to play in tackling
1: the recently volatile costs of energy. The energy crisis makes us focus on the cost of energy now. That's a fundamental measure that we need to be thinking about. That, along with place-based measures and interventions that help businesses be more sustainable, I think is important. Financially sustainable, but also from... kind of a social responsibility way of thinking. Businesses are starting to think more about ESG, corporate social responsibility, how they can be more socially inclusive. But also I think what businesses perhaps don't think quite so much about, um, but will do, will have to do so more and more, is thinking about climate resilience, business resilience, based on the, the changing climate. So that's why adaptation is very much part of that climate neutral concept. So energy, fundamental, but also how how can a business and communities protect themselves from flooding? So you you get lots of flooding on the streets because the network can't sustain that. So our our buildings, they're not designed for the amount of intense rainfalls and that starts to affect your transport provision in the city, in the region. So getting to work traveling about is becoming something sometimes challenging. So I think that's an important aspect. We need to build in that resilience. It does get hot in Glasgow sometimes. So having more shade, having more cooling and shelter is important for for Glasgow and for other cities, of course. Getting about the city has to be more sustainable because, you know, if we're working, the the city is, is thinking about low emission zones, and so providing more active travel solutions for, for people to move around safely, securely, that isn't necessarily focused on car is, is part of this set of solutions that I think would be of benefit to businesses in the, in the zone. And then you think about nature based solutions. So, you know, thinking of a high street, it's, it's quite a hard landscape. It could be a lot greener and it could be much more attractive to businesses. So places with better urban realm, I think are attractive for businesses and for those that, that use those businesses and visit those destinations. So I think that that's all part of it. So it's, that's, that's the whole system, isn't it? It's, it's bringing it all together in, in one kind of common set of objectives that actually help businesses and communities to be more sustainable.
0: Another benefit of the initiative is employment. It's designed not only to deliver climate-neutral solutions, but long-term benefits to the economy, creating lasting jobs and sustainable
2: growth. Much of the technology we need is already here, but rolling it out sufficiently requires considerable resource, both financial and human. So the work that we have planned for the city and the work that others in the city intend to do in partnership with us, these will create hundreds if not thousands of long-term jobs for people in Glasgow. They'll create programmes of work for businesses in the city to work on for years as well as the, the work that we're pulling together, we're working on national efforts for things like domestic and non-domestic retrofit. These will create years, if not decades, of work and getting our built environment to the position where it can be net zero. And that will help provide resilience for businesses in the city. Um, it'll help improve living conditions for residents and it'll improve the city's already considerable appeal as a tourist destination, which in turn boosts the economy, and so on and so forth. So this programme that we have in place, this target, this ambition, brings nothing but benefit to the people of Glasgow, the businesses of Glasgow, to visitors for the city as well.
0: Of course, there are challenges when it comes to implementing the initiative, not just the huge catalogue of working parts and coordination amongst partners, but also the significant capital expenditure. But Paul believes it's the shared responsibility that turns challenges into workable solutions.
3: They sort of link to the the challenges that we face in delivery the particular opportunities that come forward are the economic benefits so there 's a significant economy of scale by sharing the cost of decarbonization so that capital cost of decarbonization and everyone 's investment in low carbon generation means that you can share that with with society. We also share the operating cost of those so so the uh, the annual maintenance and uh, and monitoring of the system uh, is shared across a, a very large number of customers. Uh, Also, from an economic perspective, they bring uh, local jobs. These heat projects don't distribute heat over very large distances, so they have to be a local project and they do need uh, local jobs and local skills to deliver them.
0: Collaboration is key when it comes to the challenge of cost and fulfilling the project. With a considerable number of stakeholders involved, from landlords, tenants, utility firms, government and, of course, local communities, successful partnerships have to be employed in order to deliver. And in the face of a pressing global issue, the partnership could not be more vital. Building those partnerships began with an idea, a concept proposed by Roddy's team at the district. And its potential was not lost on Gavin and his team at Glasgow City Council.
2: This was of great interest to me because you know, this is the way we need to start thinking. We need to start thinking systemically about the work that we're doing and how the implementation of one approach in one area could have a negative or positive impact on a neighbouring area? You know, if we're extracting heat from one place, does that then diminish the availability of that heat from another? Really trying to tie all these things together and um, we were happy to be partners to this project because obviously it it has the potential to make sizeable impacts on our carbon emissions and on how we're responding to the climate emergency. We're making progress, we are, um, and, and think generally everyone's supportive of the concept. It's now just getting the business model absolutely dialed in.
1: The DNA of the university is such that we, we do understand the importance of collaboration and working with industry, working with government, using our research and, and our academic expertise to bring all those different elements together is really helpful. And I think, it's, as I say, it's of the moment and people seem to get the idea. But what now? We've got to really, you know, kind of accelerate that action and really start to make it real in in real terms. So we start to get projects going, having shown that it's feasible. So, yeah, I think it's it's been it's been really helpful. And, and other innovation districts are are contacting me, contacting us, saying we hear you're doing something. What is it? Tell us about it. You know, I was on the phone last week or the week before to the, the team in Belfast. Um, previous to that, Dublin, you know, and, and we had huge interest during COP 26 when it was in Glasgow from international delegations. So, yeah, I think we're we're on the right track here. Um, we just need to, you know, put our put an arm around it and and it kind of accelerate the action to to get get it moving at pace. As Roddy mentioned, having
0: a community of academics, researchers and students, an environment for innovation provides benefits when it comes to creating, growing and implementing projects to tackle climate change. And those benefits are favourable for Vattenfall too.
3: The focus that the Climate Innovation District brings, particularly to us, is, is the brand it has. It's a great place to signpost partners to a place where they can bring their experiences and try new solutions. So... As I mentioned before, collaboration is invaluable for successful heat projects and that forum for partners to coalesce around. And in our case uh, at Vattenfall, the way we want to contribute through our experience of city scale district heating, as well as our strong appetite to invest patient capital and low carbon solutions is, is, is why we've got engaged and involved within the innovation district.
0: The plan for a climate neutral innovation district is ambitious, befitting of a city that hosted COP26, the United Nations Climate Change Conference. After being showcased on the world stage, what happens now brings more attention, builds new partnerships and underlines opportunities
2: for investment. We work internationally through things like the C40 Cities and the Carbon Neutral Cities Alliance, all of which are really about... Sharing information, sharing best practice, um, working together to unlock funding to to move projects forwards, and continually looking at who else can we work with, who can we bring in to help us achieve these goals. So, I think we work well in partnership. Um, I think it takes an awful lot of effort, uh, an awful lot of management and managing people's expectations and responsibilities and, and how we make those next steps. And that can seem sometimes like it's not happening fast enough, but that's just the nature of when you're working at a city level and you're working with so many partners, trying to make sure that you've got everybody to a position where we can all be comfortable to agree and move forward on on certain issues. So it's, it's, it's incredibly important to us that, that level of partnership and I think Glasgow has been punching above its weight for a long term internationally in terms of the plaudits that we rightly get for the work that we do, the people that we work with. You know, right now we're making a lot of interesting partnerships as a result of COP, interesting relationships about how we push this agenda forward. And all the time there are new partnerships blossoming all over the world, all linked to Glasgow.
0: Throughout this series, I've been struck by the rich offering within the district and Glasgow City. With a growing number of resident organisations in the district, a huge diversity of sectors and industries, enviable academic resources and partnerships with local and national government, you can't help but wonder if the work towards sustainability here can have an impact around the world. It's a valid consideration
1: and one that Roddy is firmly holding on to. So, building that strong network of of like-minded individuals who all have the same kind of issues to deal with uh, and getting that vision in front of them and working with them collectively has been really positive, I think, because it's just been of the moment. So, having set out the feasibility of the vision, I think we've now got a good platform to layer in research on aspects like air quality to measure the you know kind of granular baseline change that's going to happen. In this, in this district, start doing that now. So we've got a strong, you know, air quality baseline at a granular level. Thinking about interventions like living walls or green roofs. Can we use research expertise to assess the benefits of those in in the center of Glasgow in, in our particular environment and then kind of, you know, replicate that across the city and across other areas? What difference does this sort of intervention make to people and to businesses? Does it improve? People, you know, does it make people want to locate in these areas where we have these interventions at scale? Is it simply aesthetic? Is it also economic? Is there a socioeconomic benefit to these interventions? That all needs research, and we've got experts that, that can do that. So, yeah, I think there's a huge opportunity to to start to think about what the research and teaching solutions are. Can our students become more involved and start to embed their expertise, learn from it? You know, and then they're much more well-equipped to then go out into other places and, and make change happen uh, in this kind of sustainability area.
0: The Climate Neutral Innovation District has its sights firmly set on local sustainable goals, but the bigger global picture is clearly more than just an afterthought. And Gavin also believes that the district and the city are a model, a blueprint that shows other communities and cities how to work towards their net zero targets.
2: Yeah, I think that... The- Anything that brings together a group of people under the right intentions to deliver is positive. And I think the innovation districts do that and they bring funding and support in to make things happen and to make regeneration happen and to bring opportunities. And the more that that can be done through a climate lens, the better. Yeah, innovation districts are important. I think ultimately collaboration is the key um, And it's getting that collaboration to the right place, getting it written down in agreement and then being able to deliver on that. And I think the innovation districts are one of the ways that we do that. The other important factor there is that the innovation districts can act as exemplars. So we can use them to demonstrate certain approaches that can work and can grow beyond the boundaries of the innovation district out to other parts of the city that can benefit from being connected in this and you know that's that's again another part of the the whole picture that we have to consider is okay we can deliver this for an innovation district but what after that how do we grow it how do we make sure that it doesn't just stop at that boundary in short yeah innovation districts are very important and um, have the capacity to deliver meaningful change
0: Our guests are ultimately working towards eliminating the worst case scenarios of a changing climate and they're also optimistic and excited. While the challenge is huge, they're encouraged by practices seen elsewhere in the world, projects that show what can be done with determination and collaboration. And they're even more encouraged by the prospects of the Climate Neutral Innovation District.
2: That really excites me, looking at the different ways that we can recover renewable heat and then get that to people and get to the place where, like the Scandinavian model, people are living in heated homes and not in fuel poverty and not having to choose between heating or eating, but that they have that as a almost as a basic human right. That that really excites me. But anything anything that helps us in our progress to net zero that's just, that's what I I come to my work for. That's what I, I'm passionate about doing and that's what excites
3: me. So I keep looking over the water at uh, Northern Europe and see other cities that have, have delivered large-scale district heating in Sweden, the Netherlands, Germany and Denmark and the exciting opportunities that potentially could, um, we, we could develop in, in uh, Scotland to rival those cities. So so that's really exciting and, and I do think city-wide heat networks are a solution for uh, the net zero world. Uh, so we expect to see significant growth in the industry. We expect to see that drive jobs, new opportunities. And we uh, at VanVel are really excited by that.
1: I'm excited because it's I can see huge potential for radical transformation. We can use our natural and built environment that we've got here, the cards that we've got, if you like, but thinking about it in a different way that actually solves some of the issues that society faces. Is hugely exciting, and I think it's replicating that across other areas. And and just learning and sharing knowledge with others is also hugely exciting. So, I hope that interest continues to to be there and to grow. You know, when we start to get stuff done, that that's going to be when it, you know it's going to really start to be um, transformational for the city and and all of the, you know, all of those businesses and and people that that live and work and visit the space.
0: Next time on Door to the District.
2: The ones like Clyde's base that the company that I started. If you imagine going into a startup company in Silicon Valley, kind of looks something like that. Young people that are ambitious, highly motivated, developing some new. New things that have never been done before, trying to change the way we see space. We've got such a good research base with world-leading universities, and we do everything from the kind of early-stage mission analysis and instrument design and, and spacecraft design, all the way through
1: to the manufacture, integration, test of the hardware. It's really a, an industry that's only just getting started. The commercial space industry, as such, has really only existed for I think about twenty or thirty years. So there's definitely whole new services and products and niches that people haven't yet discovered.
0: That's it for this episode. Thank you to our guests, Dr. Roddy Yar, Gavin Slater and Paul Steen. And thank you for listening.